But what I'm finding is very much hybridity is a reality. Not only today, but it's going to stay that way for uh, quite a while. The mission critical things that customers need that need all those security controls around it are still problematic. And this organic growth didn't necessarily make it easy for the enterprises to get a control over everything they want. Welcome to Altitude, the unsung heroes of cloud transformation, a podcast by Aviatrix. Today, more and more enterprises are moving their business up to the clouds as the race to innovate continues. In this multi-cloud world, IT leaders and teams find themselves behind the wheel where they are confronted with both new challenges and new opportunities. On Altitude, we explore the voices and stories of the people who are overcoming these challenges every day to drive their business to the next level. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening app and stay tuned for this episode. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Altitude. I am your host, Woody Woodworth. Awesome show today, super excited about our guest, Deepika Nath, who is the Director of Infrastructure and Cloud Architecture at Kindrel, specifically for global solutions. And global is such a cool place to be when you're working in cloud these days. So Deepika, welcome. Thank you so much, Woody. It's my pleasure to be here. I would love for you just to share some of your background in the profession and the industry to our listeners before we kick off on the main subject, which is, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about hybridity today and this term middle cloud, which I keep hearing uh, bouncing around. So, but first more about you. Okay. So I've been in the tech industry for a long time, number of decades, held multiple types of roles, development, sales, architecture, creating integrations for multiple solutions, mergers and acquisitions, marrying two solutions together for a technology provider. So my career spanned IBM initially, then Cisco for a number of years, back to IBM. And now about in 2021, we spun off the global technology services arm into a new company, we are Kindrel. For a startup company, we are not really that small around 90,000 employees. And it's really a cool place to be because we have a charter of a lot of innovation and freedom to do many things. I belong in the CTO office at Kindrel. Uh, primary role is repeatable architectures, high value solutions, and making that viable technically as well as from a business point of view, right? Do it with a team. I don't do it alone. New technologies born in the cloud, native things are absolutely exciting. They're revolutionizing what's happening today. Everything is about cloud. It's like you can't even pick up any article without seeing the word cloud there. Yeah, cloud, of course, really has swept the industry, definitely has affected all facets of our lives, kind of whether people know it or not. From the way that we you know, consume media to the way that we enjoy our productivity or not enjoy our productivity, as the case may be. I mean, you know, all aspects of life have really been touched by cloud. I'm interested in on the subject of hybridity. In your experience, are you noticing that a lot of the new workloads that are going into cloud tend to be cloud native or born in the cloud? Some people would say greenfield or is hybrid still a vibrant place to be, meaning lots of work still going on in hybrid. And for those listeners that might not know that term, that means that some part of the application is in a traditional data center, and then some part of the application is in the cloud. It's a really good place to start. About a decade ago or so, 
enterprises had a lot of control over everything they did. And they ended up wanting to own all of that through their own staff and doing everything in their own purview. That meant acquiring networking equipment, building their data centers, typically backhauling traffic from remote places and controlling their access, controlling their workloads, and typically built applications that were somewhat monolithic. And then we saw the transformation of really modular elements. And pretty soon, you know, we need to create new things. We need to become more agile. And DevOps was born and the hyperscalers became a big thing, right? DevOps meant developers had more freedom. They didn't have to really go to their networking teams to get the connectivity, get the resources to do their work. I guess the, the initial development was vibrant in cloud, but monetizing that, managing that, making it reining in somewhat the governance became very challenging. That's still where we are. The easy workloads have moved to the cloud. Typically, your maybe your public application presence, the web tier. But what I'm finding is very much hybridity is a reality, not only today, but it's going to stay that way for a, quite a while. The mission critical things that customers need, that need all those security controls around it, are still problematic. And this organic growth of various pockets didn't necessarily make it easy for the enterprises to get a control over everything they want. So they know they need to do it. I think they're really challenged on how to come to terms with the whole thing and make it profitable. What do you think are the key challenges with developing a hybrid app or a hybrid platform? I mean, there are the obvious ones, right? Moving the workload and partner whole from its place of comfort or inception from the data center to the cloud and doing that translation, the management of these assets that are different. Are there any other parts of that hybrid ecosystem that people are finding especially difficult or challenging? I think the especially difficult part is the use of the internet as the medium. In the past, it used to be individual links, point-to-point -point links, and it it's not that affordable when you look at uh, business viability. That brings with it some attack surface that's very hard to rein in. So I think what I see as the huge challenge is having a consistent way in which customers can manage what they have on their premises and what they put inside the public clouds, having that consistent way of doing it and why in the past, they could say, my users are coming into the office, they're doing their work, it's around my four brick walls, I control the network around here and I know it's safe. That's not the case anymore with the workforce being all over the place. And this idea of zero trust means you really trust nothing but verify and make sure that only what is allowed is allowed. That becomes really difficult to enforce with uh, the dynamics of where workloads exist, the dynamics of where people are working from, and as well, the attack surface increasing. The consistency, the governance, that's, I think, is where customers are struggling, is creating that consistent posture. 
and actually making it work for them. They don't want to do it, but they find it hard to do. I'm asking these questions because in the last five or six years, the growth of this segment we call the middle cloud has absolutely exploded. By this term, I mean these specialized data centers that are these big colos that host a variety of services and capabilities for enterprises that want to become both physically closer to clouds, but also stage services that are more cloud friendly and then get a lot of cool management capabilities on top of that. They could be a partner or a managed service provider that's helping them run the gear in these places. They get access to different services and marketplace offerings. So Equinix, CoLogix, Interaction is one. Equinix being kind of the 800 pound gorilla. Oh, of course, Megaport. Do you believe that this term middle cloud is correct? That this kind of colo offering has become so powerful and ubiquitous that it really is its own cloud? Or is that a misnomer? I think it that's where the action is. It is absolutely a cloud. And the potential is what you can do with it. The ability to interconnect easily, software defined, is what it brings. And then the ability to consume native services in a more efficient way. So what started out as colos where customers built in their own racks that they rented and put stuff, right? They still controlled everything, but they got high-speed access to the hyperscalers. That's kind of how the colos originally started. But what I see today is an enablement of many things. Like you've got private networks that are built by the colo providers like your Equinix, Digital Reality, etc., and the Megaport type of interconnect capability software defined through their own network, right? So what that really means is options, options to really consume from a marketplace what is the easiest way to consume something as well as where you're building your synergy. And the middle cloud allows the customer to really build in a way where they really do control the security posture, but they can say my workload is going to live here today, but tomorrow I have the agility to move it there. Gives them that ability to become really agile. A software connect-wise agile, cloud-native consumption agile, rich capabilities of reduced latencies to connect to various services. That's the reason why I think that's where the action is. Customers are still struggling. How do they really come to terms with things? Meaning if they are consuming from, say, AWS and they want to have resiliency and they want to build their workloads also in Azure and in Google Cloud, maybe it's a business imperative or maybe they really believe that's how they want to become more neutral from the, from the enterprise standpoint and have that ability to place their workloads wherever they want, based on dynamics of availability or latency or how the network is behaving at that point in time. That creates more challenges for them because the cloud native constructs of each cloud is different, right? So I actually see the power of the enterprise is to capture what they want to do in this middle cloud. That's their crown jewels, their most important apps, their security posture, their policy rule sets that they want to enforce should live in that middle cloud. That would be the ideal way to construct it. 
and allowing a level of automation that gives them that agility to go where they want to go based on their own inclination of whether they want to be primarily in one cloud versus another. And I think that distinction is reducing because pretty much the hyperscalers are becoming, I wouldn't say exactly equivalent, but the strengths of one versus the other are somewhat different. And it allows that the customer to become more like they want to consume something here and something there and create the value prop based on either cost or their own investment of automation. And why should it be different for each public cloud, right? If we can find that uniformity in that middle cloud, it gives us simplification. And for me, architecturally, I think that your agility and your ability to move the business, regardless of where your business goes, has to be driven with architectural simplicity. Otherwise, you're creating pockets and you're having problems managing consistency. So very much that's the reason why I said the middle cloud is where the action is. And it is a cloud because it is software defined. And a bonus factor these days is the sustainability in the ESG footprints, right? And your compute getting so dense. The need for real estate reduces, but at the same time, our carbon footprint is something very important to our planet. And customers want to measure that. The colos naturally allow you to do that because the cola providers have invested massive amounts in the most efficient cooling, the best power consumption technologies. Economies of scale makes it viable to do that. So why not, right? You are creating your agility. You're becoming more efficient in what you consume. And you're reducing the carbon footprint. So it's really a win-win for everybody. I see. So it's kind of maybe like leasing a car versus owning a car at some point. Like when you lease a car, you pay a slightly higher premium, but the dealer takes care of a lot of the stuff for you. Um, You're always going to have the latest model. You don't have to worry about the uh, depreciation of price. I mean, that might not be a perfect analogy, but it is kind of this interesting pay to play ecosystem that does seem to be rapidly, rapidly growing. You also don't get burdened with the maintenance, right? Because you're right. refreshing your model, right? So when you when a business has is owning their primary reason to exist, they should focus on that. They should focus on what gives them value for their business. Why should they be bothered with facilities? Why should they be bothered with heating, cooling, repair of equipment? Or um, how does my workload failover? Let the colo provider give you all those things. Why not consume it? And why not put your personnel and the focus on the business exactly where you want it to be, to create value for your business? And it is becoming that agile to be able to consume these things from the middle cloud. So I think it's really an exciting place for, you know, look, whenever we think about cloud first, you know, why not middle cloud first? And we look at interconnectedness. Where should we put our footprint that gives us the best being for creating internet services at appropriate bill rates, um, interconnected for the apps, for wherever there is SaaS presence that's more prevalent. So the, naturally we are seeing these uh, multi-zone regions becoming pockets of huge, massive investment from multiple cola providers, from our hyperscalers, as well as value native service providers. Many of them niche. 
that bring maybe API management, maybe a level of automation that's very attractive. Not only to look at the hybridity that we were talking about, it is possible to create your orchestrator in this middle cloud and manage your on-prem. Why not? It's all about the latencies, right? As long as we stick within the bounds of whatever solution we're providing or using, right? Typically 50 milliseconds to your point of presence, you can orchestrate things pretty effectively. It's also possible to create blueprints and do a data center that's huge and massive to a branch that's relatively small, to, to including to edge locations. And these connectivity types are becoming very rich in the WAN connectivity space, as well as in your ability to look at the models, like your hyper-converged infrastructures have stringent latency requirements. So your edge becomes a place where you need to process certain things. But there's also a need to keep your most important insights and do some heavy-duty processing on them and actionable things that you will then feedback to a business happening inside a other cloud. So this middle cloud place becomes a fantastic place to really anchor your most powerful services that will really drive like your control plane. Do you think it's fair to say that the price of entry to really get set up in the middle cloud is too high for some to bear? Meaning that there are alternative patterns to this Let's pick on SD-WAN for a minute. Not everyone in the SD-WAN crew believes this, but some view SD-WAN technology as kind of an alternative way of thinking about hybridity uh, with the idea that, okay, the internet has grown up quite a bit, except in emerging markets in certain last mile areas, it's very stable. With SD-WAN, I can create my own kind of mesh these SD-WAN devices have a lot of capability and inside of them, a lot of them can accelerate and optimize traffic and so forth. So the internet should be good enough. Thus, I don't have to pay that price of entry to get into some of these middle cloud places. And I might not even need to pay the, what some feel is the exorbitant price of private connectivity. So your express route or cloud connect or direct connect and so forth. And just say, we can do it all with internet. What is your thought about that? I would say it's not one size fits all. It depends is the answer and also explain how the middle cloud plays there. I think that the idea of a thin branch is becoming more attractive because zero touch consumption of something that will reach out to your potentially a middle cloud. So your SD-WAN could exist in your middle cloud, your devices, right? For those customers who are large enterprises, that went the route of SD-WAN that have made the investment, they might find it a little hard to pull out of it or use that as a stepping stone towards completely cloud native. They're not quite ready there. So if I were to think about how, how I would put that, uh, you are also seeing like your hyperscalers provide like a cloud WAN zone where you can bring your own network virtual appliance footprints in the cloud. But then they say, I can manage it for you, or I'm providing it to you as a managed service. But the customer also loses some control when they hand that, hand the keys to the, to the public, uh, you know, hyperscaler provider, right? Um, so it's about options, I think. It also can be a stepping stone where we can say, we use a thin branch approach. We have our SD-WAN devices in the middle cloud. 
and then over time we'll migrate more services and governance of our cloud native posture into the middle cloud instead of being on-prem. And you might take your less risky locations, try this out, and when your cloud native posture becomes a little bit more mature, what you could do is even if you had a modernization journey, you could move some of your monolith things, like duplicate them in your colos, still look at modernizing them and create the microservices to have the tiers of your applications work seamlessly with the public clouds, still maintaining all of your posture. And at some point in time, everything could look like a thin branch and you are really consuming pretty much everything over the internet. In fact, at Kindrel now we find a lot of our applications we simplified when we spun off from IBM and reduced a number of apps and a lot of it, I don't need a VPN from my laptop when I work because it, it is consumed over the internet. A very few sensitive applications like your, some of your HR applications, I would need a VPN, but most of my work I do just native consumption. Kindle is maintaining our, obviously has control over the laptop software that we put on it and vetted uh, versions of things and all of that, which is natural, right? It, as a company, we need to have a uniform posture. And I really think that that's why I said it's not a one size fits all. Estevan may have a place, but I know I can't help myself, but I'm going to bring up if you tricks, you know, cool technology, just I see it as a place of for pretty much a business that wants any of these choices because you have that ability to integrate with the SD-WAN from the on-prem. You have the ability to put your Aviatrix gateways, edge gateways on the edge or in fact in a colo. You also have the ability with the fantastic automation to make it more hyperscaler neutral, right? To me, that's also a middle cloud story, but it's an enabler of a middle cloud. And depending about the customer's ease of working with the multi-hyperscaler providers, like AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, if they want to rule their own, they can be their guest, right? But if they want a simplification, this is a good simplification strategy too. And I would always go into a customer's situation just understanding where they are. Some customers are not really ready to completely embrace multiple clouds. They are just testing the waters and uh, they really need to think long and hard what they want to keep inside their own control or even have a provider like Kindrel manage it for them. How they see the simplification journey, what is their business, and they really should take a hard look at what success looks like for them. Do that part first. And how do I want to control that? Am I happy controlling that from my prem? If so, sure. If not, where should I put it, right? And how am I going to consume cloud native services in the future? If they go by into a middle cloud story in this hybridity, why not construct that place where you're having the pain point to transition to wherever you decide it is? Pretty much, I would say a customer should start with their zero trust posture as where they start. Ooh. Because once they make that investment into that zero touch posture, it pays them dividends for whatever they decide is the next step in their modernization journey. Layers makes it harder for any kind of a hacker to really get what they want, right? If you create layers, diverse types of layers, that's the way to go, but you should be able to afford it. 
Yeah, the affordability of that is is always been a challenge for some, as well as the complexity of managing all of those layers in some kind of seamless way, and then finding a system that allows you to manage that complexity across multiple systems. So it's very much yes. a Russian doll problem. It's a, yes. it's a layer problem yes. to a layer problem. I love your analogy of the middle cloud as a place of action. And my opinion is that is really the ultimate value of this slice of the industry, this big, you know, multi-billion dollar. It's not just a slice, but that's the value of this part of the cloud industry. And that's why it has been so successful. So for example, if you are moving to cloud to try to simply cut costs, that is not going to be a successful strategy, right? No. Cloud is not cutting costs in the short term. To me, cloud is about access to, to a couple of key things, access to innovation and services and access to a system that fosters automation and orchestration, which is much harder to do at scale in a traditional data center because traditional data center equipment isn't really meant to be automated at the speed and scale and in, in the CICD way, the DevOps way that the cloud stuff is. Now, this middle cloud takes that same approach, but then blends it with another type of service offerings, which is connectivity service offerings that you don't always get in the public cloud. And I think that is one of the key things. If it wasn't for that access to services and access to other forms of connectivity, I think maybe the middle cloud would not have taken off and people would have just said, yeah, we're just going to use SD-WAN for everything. And I also agree that SD-WAN is an important part of the overall connectivity palette like you said, it's not just about choosing one kind of option for your whole end-to-end -end network. It's about using the right tool in the right place for the right outcome. So if you have a lot of branches, SD-WAN can make a lot of sense. So it's, it's a powerful tool when the scenario presents itself, but it's not going to be some kind of a cookie cutter approach that you take to every single design and every single outcome. That's why the middle cloud is so important, because there are these variety of possibilities that exist in these places. And then on top of that, you can treat the workloads that you're running in there with a very similar kind of automation that you find at the cloud. So for me, it's about perfecting or stabilizing the kind of automation practice that you have in cloud and then bringing that outwards and letting that matriculate kind of like a wave out towards your, your non-cloud assets, right? And the middle cloud provides a fantastic arena for that. Yes. There's another another way to look at it too. It doesn't matter where, which color provider somebody puts their content in. They're all becoming interconnected. So whatever is the most viable for the business, that flexibility is there. And then you got, as long as you got, say, a megaport-like software connect possibility in that uh, location, location A versus location B. And then you can actually hop on from one software defined networking interconnect to another. You really can create this matrix that gets you like a sort of like a map of different junctions that can get you from point A to point B and also create backup paths through other interconnect private clouds, which gives you the business agility, right? And not everything's happening software defined. So you don't have to worry about like having uh, to do all of that and manage it yourself. So to me, 
that part is important. The ability to really go from a different cola provider to another one too. It doesn't really have to be one particular fixed provider. And you make everything seamless and it's like becomes a continuum. I actually think that the speeds of the internet, the stability of the internet, the diversity of this middle cloud and the private backbones that the rich set of private backbones coming up through various cola providers, every one of them is going to have their own strengths in certain locations. The customer can actually use it as a buffet and pretty much choose what makes sense for them, for the kinds of bandwidth they're looking for. And if that changes tomorrow and the pricing model changes, they have the flexibility to go to a different place, right? Without changing a thing. Do you ever see customers, you know, we can get into why this may be regret getting invested in a middle cloud offering or doing it to such a doing it in a way that didn't really pay them the dividends they expected? Yes, there are certain patterns to follow. Otherwise, you can make some serious mistakes because the application is very much the driver. You have to understand the nuances of the application and uh, what sorts of latencies it's willing to tolerate based on you know, what worked on-prem when everything was right there versus you move a tier to the public cloud. And depending upon where your existing split hybrid workload is, they may see degradation of performance if it's not well thought out. So they might have moved something to the middle cloud without realizing a dependency of something that's still on-prem and they're not yet fully moved there. So a lift and shift sometimes is not that easy for customers to do. So they make mistakes and get disheartened by doing that. So a level of due diligence on understanding the application flow has to come first. And then if you have very stringent like database type of uh, requirements of uh, databases syncing up with each other or having dependencies like that, or uh, that has to be evaluated. So what needs to be stringent in the construct of that middle cloud and do we are we able to satisfy the requirements of the application without degradation in a manner when we move to the middle cloud that needs to be assessed and with that full knowledge a plan has to be built for migration a step at a time not to rush it you know do it with an application in mind, whatever a particular application needs, do that sort of make that the mission of the project in, in your Agile DevOps and migrate your things one application at a time rather than saying, I'm going to move all of X there or all of Y here, right? So the, I would say the pattern is important when we think about anything, even the cloud, cloud first strategy with just going to public cloud has the same problem. The middle cloud will actually alleviate some of that for us by allowing you to bring the middle cloud somewhat closer to where your on-prem is, depending upon where you are, to get your interconnected speeds higher uh, using somebody's private backbone. And get it. But you can't ever change physics. If you are in some remote location, you really have to build around that. Do you want to continue to stay there or are you willing to do a bit of a, what is it going to take to serve your customers Maybe you shouldn't be there in the, in the middle of a remote place. Maybe you really need a presence of your app in a high density place where you are interconnected with multiple clouds and your customers so you can serve them better. So that sort of thinking is necessary before somebody adopts um, any strategy, whether it's going to public cloud or whether it's going to middle cloud or whatever that path is, 
I think the possibilities is what they need to look at. They have to look at the pain point of where they're having the most trouble. And they can't do everything, obviously. And I mentioned this already before. So thinking about what's going to give them the bang, bang for the buck if they're successful, then building the plan around that as to the outcome. And then mapping out what are the steps necessary to be in that to-be state and doing that in a manner that your business continuity does not suffer. Some of that could mean you're investing a little more money to get the conduit to get you to where you want to be with that opportunity potential of once you are there, you're going to cut off the migration circuits and you're living in a place where you're creating better business value. So I would say it's it's really the thought process. A lot of the customers did not think of this because they built everything on their prem or built it monolithic, had high-speed local LAN type of connectivity, but they forgot that once they moved to the cloud, you have this physics of getting to your cloud that you cannot change. Deepika, fantastic words of wisdom. Thank you so much for your thoughts and contributions and your sharing your vast experience with hybrid connectivity and all the facets of this journey. It's been really informative for me. So I just want to thank you again and thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you are welcome, Woody. And uh, I love this space of uh, the possibilities as I see it. And it's so rich, you know, with so many companies bringing very good cloud native solutions and finding the best things to put together, not to make it like diverse for the sake of being diverse, but really to create that business value is what's so exciting. And thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye.